this week on Pointing the Way with Pastor Shad Smith. Welcome to Pointing the Way, a ministry of the Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. We pray you will find direction for living as we look into the Word of God today. It just doesn't get any better than Jesus. Jesus Christ is God's last word to man. If you reject Jesus, God has nothing else to say to you. He is the final revelation. He is the creator of the universe. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and He beheld we beheld His glory. He is the creator of the universe. The Bible says that He is the heir of all things. And Paul tells us in Romans that those that are the redeemed are joint heirs with Jesus. He owns the universe. And you and I, if we're heirs of God, we are joint heirs. It's our universe too. He's the express image of God. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. He is the radiance of God's glory. He is uh, the one who, the Bible says, purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is God's Son. He is eternal. He has no beginning, and there's no getting rid of Him. We ought to just thank God and give God praise this morning for the Son of God that was sent from the glories of heaven to this earth. That's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about in the first part of the book. And over the last three weeks, I've shared that same little talk there about Jesus. Uh, we, we talked about it. Uh, last week, we talked about it. This morning, I've talked about it. You say, why don't we talk about that every week? Because it's just plain good. It's just plain good to talk about. And if you wonder this morning, has the writer of Hebrews exhausted the subject of the glory of Jesus? Well, just keep on reading. For you see, in these verses we read this morning, Brother Ronnie is kind of like singing a song, and now we get to the second verse, and the musicians, they modulate into a higher key, and we go to a new level. And that's what's happening this morning. Over the last several uh, verses, he has been contrasting Jesus to the angels, and he showed us that Jesus is better than the angels. But now this morning, he is going to contrast this Jesus that we've described from Hebrews. He's going to contrast that Jesus to man, to wicked, sinful, lowly man. He's going to show us that as lowly and as wretched as you and I are, God has a vision. God has a destiny that will not be denied for fallen man. Today is Vision Sunday, and on Vision Sunday we talk a lot about destiny and vision and God's vision for His church. It's the Lord's vision that we're going to be talking about today. We don't need a man's vision. You don't need my vision. I'm just a part of the fallen creation. But we've got the vision of the Lord Jesus, and it doesn't get any better than Jesus, does it? 
So we're going to listen to what his vision is for the church. His vision, his preferred destiny, started all the way back in eternity. It started all the way back there, and that vision is going to continue until the church one day is around the throne in glory. And so that journey there is what I'm going to preach about this morning. That is the road of destiny, the road of vision. And the writer of Hebrews has several things to say from these verses about this road of destiny. Notice, first of all, in verses 5 down to verse 8, we see that destiny is restricted. Destiny restricted. In these first few verses, we see the destiny of man, but then we see uh, immediately the tragedy of that destiny. Now, in verse 5, the writer of Hebrews looks ahead in time. He looks ahead all the way to that day when King Jesus is going to come from heaven back to this earth. That's after the rapture. That's after the tribulation. At the end of that seven years, King Jesus will come to the earth. He will come and he will bring his saints back with him. And the Bible says that he will rule and reign for a thousand years on planet earth. We, we understand that as the millennial kingdom of Christ. That's what the writer means in verse 5 when he says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come. So who did he put the world in subjection to? He's going to talk now about man. Man, one of these days, did you know that man is going to rule planet earth under the authority of of King Jesus Christ one day for a thousand years. That is the destiny of the redeemed. I'm casting my vote now for Leroy Atchison to be mayor of Dallas in the millennium. Man's going to rule and reign one of these days during the kingdom with King Jesus. You ought to think about that for just a second. Uh, the writer of Hebrews thinks about it, and that's why in verse 6 he quotes the psalmist. What is man? What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? He's saying, I, I can't imagine why God would look down at his glorious creation and say, I'm going to put man in charge of all of that. Think about that. I'm going to look down at my glorious creation, God says, and then I'm going to put man in charge of that, fully knowing what man is going to do. Verse 7 says that he made man a little lower than the angels. At the end of that verse it said, Thou crownest him, that's talking about man, crownest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hands. You know when God created man and put man into the garden of Eden, God crowned Adam with glory. And because of that glory, that dominion-giving glory, Adam was made ruler over creation from the garden there. God gave Adam a perfect world to rule over, a perfect environment to live in. He gave him a specific task. And in the Garden of Eden, man was the monarch over everything that he surveyed, everything that he saw. Man was in charge of that. Look at verse number 8. He says in verse 8, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. That was God's destiny for man. 
That was God's vision for man. For man to be crowned with glory and honor and to rule on behalf of God. But that's not the picture of man today, is it? Man is certainly not ruled, uh, uh, crowned with glory today. Man is not ruling over planet Earth. Man, man can't even keep Washington, D.C. open long enough to rule the country. Somebody say amen. And you can blame the Democrats and the Republicans for that. They can't get along to rule a country, much less the world. Man doesn't have dominion over creation. Uh, that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews says at the end of verse 8. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Man is not ruling. Man is not in control. Hey, look, look at me. Man's out of control. Man's out of control. Something has happened. Something has restricted the destiny. Something has hindered God's vision for man. And the answer to what has happened is one simple three-letter word. S-I-N. When man sinned against God, that dominion-giving glory departed from man. When man sinned against God, he lost dominion over God's creation. We don't have dominion over God's creation anymore. Hey, I can't even keep my neighbor's dog out of my trash can. I went out there last week. My neighbor's got a dog. He gets in my trash every week, pulls it out, put, flips the lid up, pulls the trash out, throws it all over the yard. I went out there the other day, caught that dog. I yelled at that dog. You know the way we yell at him. Get out of here! Get out of here! That dog looked at me as if to say, you can't tell me what to do. You don't have any dominion over me. You lost the right to tell me to get out of your yard. And you can trace that truth all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Man lost his dominion when man chose to sin and disobey God. It must have been a sad day in the Garden when the glory departed. I've watched the glory depart. And it's a sad thing. I've seen the glory depart the life of a Christian. It's a sad thing. A Christian that lived in sin and got back into that sin and the glow of God's glory about their life left them. I've seen preachers that once had the touch of glory on their life and because of some sin that they got into, maybe an adulterous affair or, or lying and cheating and not living right, the touch of glory departed their life. I've watched churches before that had the, the glow of God's glory about their ministry and they let sin get in. And ladies and gentlemen, you can't let sin get into a fellowship and not deal with it. But I've seen churches that have done that, and God wrote Ichabod over the door, and the glory departed from that place. It's a sad thing. And it can still happen today. Uh, God is not glorified by sin, and God will not allow His glory to be revealed in our lives if there is sin. Sin restricts God's destiny for man. Sin causes the glory to depart. Sin keeps us from becoming everything God wants us to be. So the writer of Hebrews says, God crowned, past tense, God crowned man with his glory. God put man, past tense, in, in authority over all of his creation. But then man sinned against God. Man forfeited that dominion. The glory departed, 
And today, man is not what God intended for him to be. But I want you to look real close at the end of verse 8. Look at the end of that verse. At the end of that verse, it says, But now we see not yet. You might circle that little word, yet. You see, ladies and gentlemen, sin may have restricted God's glory. It may have restricted God's destiny. But if you'll read on further in verses 9 and 10, we're going to see, secondly, the writer takes us from destiny restricted now to destiny restored. Destiny restored. The writer of Hebrews takes us now to the Garden of Eden. He takes us and shows us God's original destiny for man. He shows us how God crowned man with glory and honor and how sin took that glory away and restricted the destiny. You know what the devil's doing now? In this scripture right here, the devil is laughing. The devil sees God's pinnacle of creation, man. He sees the glory has departed from man and man is in a mess. And the devil's laughing, but hey, God's not finished. You see, we move now from the Garden of Eden into the pages of the New Testament. By the time you get to the New Testament, you've gone all the way through the Old Testament. Man has made a mess over and over and over and over again. It looks like there's no coming down, coming back for man. Man looks like he's down for the count. Man looks like he is defeated. Man looks like he will never reach his divine destiny because there's a problem, that little three-letter problem. You remember it? S-I-N. Sin is standing in the way, restricting God's destiny. And the only way man can get his destiny back is for sin to be taken out of the way. But that creates a tremendous problem for man. Because you see, the only way destiny can be restored is by taking care of the problem that restricts it, and that's sin. And the only way sin can be remedied is by death. So that creates a real big problem for man. My only hope is death, to get my destiny back, but then I've got it and I'm dead. So that's a real problem for man. And death is the answer to sin. Romans 3.23 says, for the wages of sin is what, class? Death. Death. And so man is in a seemingly impossible situation to have his destiny restored. Man's never going to be what God intended him to be. We've already messed this whole thing up. But wait. There's verse 9. Look at verse 9. But we, say that with me, but we see Jesus. I'm starting to get a little glimmer of hope now, Brother Joe. I'm starting to see uh, some hope come back because Jesus, this one who created and sustains the universe, that verse says he was made a little lower, for a little while, lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. You see, death was the problem. Death is what kept man from ultimately being able to reach God's destiny, God's vision for man. But then we see Jesus. Jesus went to the cross for the suffering of death. 
We read about His glorious suffering. We sing about that cross where He took our sins. We glory in the fact that Jesus Christ has died for sins. He arose from the grave. The Father crowned Jesus with glory and honor. And now at the end of verse 9 it says, Because of the grace of God, Jesus has tasted death for every man. You see, the first Adam threw destiny away. He threw God's destiny away. He forfeited it. He threw it all away. But now, verse 9, we see Jesus, the last Adam. And the last Adam comes to restore what the first Adam threw away. And now destiny, vision, because of Jesus, has been restored. Look at verse 10. But it became him, for it became him. That, that literally means it's, it's fitting for him. For whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. You see, through the finished work of the cross of the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ is now the one who is fit to bring sons unto glory. Just a few verses ago, we were talking about sons forfeiting glory. Now we're reading, because of Jesus, about sons going to glory. The glory had departed. But we see Jesus. Man had lost his dominion, his destiny, his future because of sin. But we see Jesus. Man is on his way to hell, all because of sin. But we see Jesus. Jesus, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, has restored man's destiny. You know what that means today, ladies and gentlemen? That means man don't have to go to hell. Now man can be all that God has intended for man to be. You don't have to live your life without a purpose because God sent his only begotten son into this world to restore your destiny. And so the glory isn't gone forever. God has restored the glory. He has provided a way for man to get from a glory-departed world to that very place called glory. And some glad morning the trumpet of God is going to sound and the graves are going to burst open and the dead in Christ will rise and we which are alive and may remain shall be cut up in a moment together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We will be given a body made of glory. Glory. The only way that's possible, folks, is because in verse 9, we see Jesus. We see Jesus. Jesus left the glories of heaven to come to this earth and restore man's destiny. He came to put us back on the right road. Beloved, if your life's not on track today, I want you to listen to me. Jesus has restored man's destiny. You can choose to reject Christ today and follow another destiny. But I want you to know that other destiny is not one you can choose. You can't choose your other destiny. It's already been chosen for you. Adam chose it for you. For you see, Adam knew in the day you sin, you shall surely die. So Adam chose that for him and his family and all of mankind. Adam knew when he sinned, he would incur God's judgment. But Jesus Christ... Seeing the mess that Adam got all of us into, left the glory of heaven and came to earth and restored the original plan of God. And that's why some of you are saved today, and that's why some of you can be saved today, because destiny has been restored. Isn't that good? But look now at verse 11, 12, and 13. In these last verses, we see destiny revealed. You see, the destiny we talk about today is what we mean when we talk about vision. 
Vision Sunday. That's all vision is. Vision is God's preferred destiny. That's what God wants for your life. Vision in the church is what God wants for the church. And so these next verses reveal God's vision for mankind. It's God's vision for His church. Look at verse 11. For both He that sanctifieth, who's the sanctifier? That's Jesus. And they who are sanctified, who's that? That's the redeemed, saved folks, are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. In other words, Jesus' father is now my father. Do you see that? That was God's ultimate plan for man. To redeem man. To bring man back into relationship with God. Do you know that you were created? You're not some product of evolution. You were created wonderfully by the hands of Almighty God, you didn't just come here some happenstance. You came here because got here because God wanted you to be here. God wanted you to have a relationship with Him. And now at the end of verse eleven, it says, "When you enter into that relationship, He's not ashamed to call you one of His brethren." In other words, God didn't make you to be an outcast. God made you to be a member of His family. That's why we call each other brothers and sisters. You know, Satan tried to derail that marvelous plan, didn't he? But you know, the devil, when he tempted Eve and Adam over in the garden, when the serpent came and tempted them, and derailed momentarily God's plan, or he thought he did, let me tell you what the devil wasn't figuring on. Oh, the thing that nobody was figuring on. It was the game changer. He wasn't figuring that God the Son would ever leave heaven. He never gave a second thought that God would leave His throne in glory and come down to that wicked creation that disobeyed Him. The devil couldn't fathom love like that. And so the devil wasn't figuring on Jesus to come down here and die. But he watched it with curiosity. And he, uh, I think, enjoyed the suffering that Christ went through on the cross. Let me tell you another thing he wasn't figuring on. He wasn't figuring on Easter Sunday. He wasn't figuring on the resurrection. And the devil wasn't figuring on God saving you one day after a while. The devil wasn't figuring on God planting a church right off Highway 61 that was going to preach the gospel and people were going to get saved and baptized and go out of here sharing Jesus with Paulding County. The devil wasn't figuring on God bringing us into a relationship. And so when God saved us, destiny was revealed again in our life. God created us for His glory. And nothing is more glorious than God taking an old sinner and washing that sinner in the blood of Jesus and making him righteous and pure in the sight of Almighty God and bringing him into his own family. God had a vision for that. And that vision was for man to have a relationship with God forever and to live forever in glory. But now look at the second part of this vision revealed. In verse number 12, not only does the Lord call us family, but he says in verse 12, I will declare thy name unto my Brethren, in the midst of the church, this is Jesus talking, 
will I sing praise unto thee. You see, not only is relationship part of God's destiny, but worship is part of God's destiny. You and I were, were created to have a relationship with God, and we were also created to worship God. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying there in verse 12. Jesus says, in the midst of the church, He will even sing praise to the Father. You say, well, He's not here. I beg to differ. How many of you came here in the name of Jesus? Look at that. Where two or three are gathered together in His name. You might not worship this morning, but King Jesus was singing the praises of the Father in this place today. He says in the midst of His church, even He will glorify His Father. And so in the midst of the church, we're going to glorify God. That's why the vision statement of this church is what? One more time. We will glorify God. That's not the preacher's idea. I'm not that smart. Now, that's not the deacon's idea. That's not the idea of a man. That's God's vision for the church. That's our destiny. You see, one of these days, the church is headed to a place where uh, for all of eternity, we, we used to sing about it, when we sing around the throne eternal on that wonderful day. And we're going to worship God for all of eternity. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 3.21, look right down there, unto Him be glory in the church. You know, when I walk in here on Sundays, I, I want to get under the spout where the glory comes out, don't you? That's what I want. The church is headed for glory. We belong to the Lord. Jesus says that in verse 13. He says, and again, I will put my trust in Him, and behold, I am the children which God hath given me. He said, the Father has given us to Him. We're His bride. We belong to Jesus. And since we belong to Him, we are going to be united with Him for all of eternity. We're going to go where He is. That means one of these days, the children of glory are going to the place of glory. That's the road of our destiny. But if you're not saved today, you're on a different road. That's not your destiny. If you're lost, you're pursuing the destiny of the last Adam. You're pursuing uh, the, 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 the first Adam, excuse me, the, the destiny of the first Adam. You're not pursuing the destiny of the last Adam. If you're lost, you're pursuing the destiny of the first Adam. That destiny, that road is wide. It's congested. It's full of traffic that's heading off headlong into that awful place called hell. But I, what I want you to know today, before you leave here, is that Jesus Christ left His glory in heaven, and He came to this earth, the last Adam, came down here to fix what the first Adam tried to undo, and He fixed it on the cross. So your destiny has been fixed. You say, my destiny has been fixed. Your course has been charted. You say, I want purpose in my life. I want to know that I'm going somewhere. You can leave here today knowing you're going somewhere. You can leave here with your destiny fixed. You see, all you've got to do is come and trust Him. Come and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know what road I'm on. But Lord, I believe how you took me off that road. I believe you came to do that. I was looking last night on Google. Everybody knows what Google is. Don't you raise your hand if you know what Google is. You don't ask your grandkids, all right? You can get on Google Maps and you can look right down at street level 
I could type in your address, and I could see whether or not you cut your grass. I could. I can do that on Google. And the way you do it is you get the map, and over there, I'm giving you a little tech lesson this morning. Over there on the side of that map, there's a little yellow man about that tall. And you click on that man, and you drag him over, and then you drop him by releasing that mouse. And you drop him on the road you want him to be on. And so last night I was looking around at a road and looking for something on a particular road, and it was the wrong road. So I went over there and I grabbed that little man and I clicked on him. And I picked him up and I took him off that road and I came over here and I dropped him on another road. And then I've been thinking about this all week. And I'm telling you, I about had a Holy Ghost fit on Google last night. Because you see, that's what Jesus Christ did for me. He took me with his little pointer named Jesus that pointed me off the road I was on and picked me up and set me on this road. That's what David said. He said, I was in a horrible pit of sin. And he picked me up out of the miry clay and set my feet back over here on the rock. He got me off the dirt road and got me on the paved road. He got me on the road of destiny, heaven's destiny. All because he had a vision for me. You see, Jesus Christ was the ultimate visionary. Proverbs 29, 29 and verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Had Jesus not been a visionary, you and I would have died and went to hell. But Jesus saw where we were headed. He saw where we could go and what we could be. So he had a vision. And because of his vision, today I'm not going to perish. I don't know about you, but I'm not worried about hell. Hell is behind me because Jesus had a vision. If you die without Jesus Christ today, I want you to know you will die in opposition to everything God Thank you for joining us today. Pointing the Way is a ministry of Northside Baptist Church in Dallas, Georgia. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may write Pointing the Way, 120 Northside Church Road, Dallas, Georgia, 30132. Or visit us on the web at www.northsidedallas.com. Until next time, open God's Word to point the way for direction in your life.